Hey, good morning. Welcome to Church in the Mall. Welcome home. Uh, thanks for joining us today here online. I, uh, I assure you that this is a time for us to not only study the Word of God, but to be in community together, even though it's online. And I just appreciate that you've made this uh, an important piece of your faith journey. Well, we are in chapters 27 and 28. We are in the midst of Paul's uh, third journey that is going to take him to a very specific place, Rome, which is the vision that Christ gave him. And he has been incarcerated. He's in chains. He's been put on a ship uh, to be transferred back to Rome to appear before Caesar for his crimes of basically disrupting the community with the Christian message. If you remember back to the story in uh, Ephesians, how the, he met the Ephesians in chapter 19, he has caused quite a ruckus as people have been coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And in Ephesus, such a key city of so many different religions and values, they don't like the idea of their people being converted to Christianity because they're no longer buying the idols. And so the idol makers press charges. Paul is now going to be on this journey that will end um, kind of interestingly uh, and maybe even abruptly. But on the screen here next to me, you can see the journey laid out. And what I find fascinating is Paul takes off after one of the major holidays of Passover. And as he's moving through this area, this is not the time of year to go sailing. In fact, this is a time of year when most of the uh, squalls and, and storms would rise up in the sea, making it very tumultuous to get anywhere. And so most ships wouldn't go places. It's also interesting to point out that most Jews... In fact, uh, I would say just about all Jews, with the exception of Paul, were not seagoing people. In fact, as a culture, they didn't go in the sea very much. I mean, certainly they were fishermen as far as fishing boats in the Sea of Galilee, but they didn't travel to other countries and other regions the way that uh, we often do today. But uh, what's fascinating is in their belief system, as they would look at the sea, they would see this great abyss. And they would often be very frightened of it for what might lie beneath the waves, uh, the unknown. So many stories of sea creatures or, or death and destruction, sometimes even hell and Satan himself would be attributed in Jewish thought and uh, mythology to the sea. And so the very fact that Paul is going to be sailing on this sea at such a tumultuous time is uh, very scary to a lot of Jews. And Paul will be shipwrecked during this particular experience, and this will be his third shipwreck. And what's fascinating is this entire story is wrapped up in this idea of Christ coming to rule as king of the world and how the entire world is in rebellion against him. And even the sea seems to be in some sort of rebellion against God. But what we see in each one of these stories throughout the entire book of Acts is how God constantly overcomes evil with his son, Jesus Christ. That the power of God lives in those who have asked Jesus to be their Lord and Savior. Certainly, we now are resurrected creatures, new lives in Christ. But we also live in the power and the promise of Jesus in the here and now. And the book of Acts is all about that, how you and I have the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives to go forth and bring hope to others through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, in this particular story, we're going to be dealing with this shipwreck where Paul is in chains. They're headed out and Paul has this vision that God said, I'm going to make sure you get to Rome. And so as the storms begin to break, they quickly begin throwing things overboard off the boat, trying to lighten the load, if you will. 
And then there's one point where a group of men even think they're going to take one of the escape boats and just get off and, and make a run for it in hopes to save their own lives. And Paul says, no, look, the vision that God gave me was for every single one of us, all 276, to be saved. And so trust me in this. Now, they've been at sea, rocking back and forth. People have been very seasick, not eating, very scared. In fact, they end up uh, sitting with Paul on the deck, and Paul leads them in what looks very much like a communion ceremony. He takes the bread and breaks it. He, he shares the, the wine and the water with them, and all of a sudden, their courage is brought up inside, and they're strengthened for the journey that lies ahead. In the middle of the night, they, in the darkness, they seem to see some rocks in the distance, and so they begin lowering anchors little by little. In fact, there's archaeological evidence that has been found where there has been anchor, 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 and then a shipwreck, and it's as if the anchor slows the boat down before it hits. In Paul's case, the boat does hit, and it shatters to pieces, and Luke doesn't really recall everything that happens other than they end up on this island of Malta. And so they're headed here all the way to Crete, but because of the storm, it pushes them all the way over here to Malta. Now, it would almost seem like everything has gone wrong in the world, but really what has happened is God is continuing the mission and the journey that he has set forth for Paul to go and be the disciple who carries the message of hope, not only to the Jews, but also the Gentiles. Remember, Acts begins with, we're starting out in Jerusalem, and then we're expanding into Judea, and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And as you can see here, this very much represents what might be the ends of the earth in a Jewish mindset. And so Paul is all the way in Malta, which they land on the island, and there's not much talk about how they get there, but Paul will talk about in some of his letters how he was adrift at sea for days on what appears to be almost like a plank of wood. So surely this was tumultuous, but all 276 people are in fact saved uh, by the very blessing of God using Paul, and they land on this beach. The people of Malta uh, received them in such a kind way. They take care of them, provide food, build a fire. And as Paul is assisting with the fire, there's a very venomous snake buried deep inside the wood, and it bites him on the hand. Now, as people are sitting around the fire and recapping the story and just how they came to be, and they're having fellowship with one another and these new people from Malta, everyone from Malta is watching Paul. Their eyes are fixed on him to see what's going to happen next. As he took this venomous bite from a viper, surely he will... Uh, just go into death or some sort of shock that they've seen thousands of times before, but that doesn't happen. In fact, what does happen is Paul shrugs it off and he continues to share with them the message of hope in Jesus Christ. And scripture tells us that people all over the island begin to follow Christ and they see the hope that is found in Paul. Now, Paul and his captors are going to eventually get on another boat, you know, and they're going to make their way to Rome those captors are probably going to appeal to a higher authority. And therefore, Paul, actually we find him at the end of Acts chapter 28 on house arrest, which is kind of bizarre. He probably should have been in a regular prison or maybe even put to death, but he's not. He's put in house arrest so that he can continually share the message of hope with other people. And then the story just drops off right there. What I want to pick up from this and what I want to share with you is some interesting aspects. And one is uh, in chapter 27, verse 14, it says these words, Then things got scary. 
You know, many of us are facing all sorts of storms, and we are sailing at a time that perhaps we shouldn't be sailing, but we are. Many of us are trying to get our children back into school. We're trying to find our way and navigate through the new ins and outs of how work goes. Many of us are looking for jobs, in fact, as we've been furloughed or laid off. You know, some of us are really struggling uh, with not being able to hang out with friends, and this pandemic has just gone on far too long for many of us. And so we are in the midst of a storm. And what I want to tell you is a great saying I learned when I was in college from a Baptist minister at a church that was down the street. He said this one Sunday, he said, the storms in life don't make us who we are, they simply reveal it. Let me say that again. The storms in life don't make us who we are, they simply reveal it. Right now, you are being put to the test. You are being challenged with things that are far beyond your capability, uh, your influence, or, or even your um, choice. But the reality is we're in it, and we're in it together. And the words of encouragement I want to share with you are the ones Paul shared with the people on the boat, which is, hey, we're going to hang together because God is going to see us through this. And in their case, all 276 people made it to the island safe and sound. My friends, we are going to make it to the end safe and sound. But it's going to take some faith and some trust. And I know that's hard to muster at times. And, and that's why Paul constantly goes back to where his faith comes from. It's not put in, in the jobs that we have because those can be taken. It's not put in uh, the lives that we live because, quite frankly, our lives could be taken. It's not put in our children because eventually they can be taken or they can grow up and leave. Uh, it can't be put in anything that can be taken from us. But what it can be put in is the person of Jesus Christ, the one who took on flesh and came to earth, living a perfect life so that he could then offer that life as an ultimate sacrifice, a lamb without blemish, so that when he died, his resurrected power and promise of God the Father lifts him from the grave and seats him on the throne of God to be judge over all creation. My friends, you and I will be the first in the resurrection. We will be the ones who lift with Christ and go on to heavenly things or life eternal, or better yet, to live out our days in the family of God. That's why we're referred to as children of God. You know, for me, this is where I put my hope. This pandemic has been so testing of my own courage and strength. In fact, I've never felt more depressed in all my life. But where I find my hope is in wonderful little miracles that I see from time to time. You know, this past few months, we've been battling a broken refrigerator that truly has gone on now for three years. And God, in the midst of it, showed up and was able to allow us to get uh, money back from the company in order to get a new one. Guys, that's a miracle. There was a man who worked in this mall named Sean. He was a security guard, and he was in the hospital for over a month with what they thought was Legionnaire's disease. He and I prayed on the phone, and the next day he called me to say he doesn't have Legionnaire's disease. It all went away in one night, and the doctors are confounded. We saw resurrection and new life. Each morning I watch my children get up, and they get together and they pray for the school day. They pray for healing and protection. They pray for new friends and relationships, and they pray for this year to be the best year yet. You know, we never had that before the pandemic, but something amazing is happening in the midst of all this struggle. The storms in life aren't making us who we are. They're simply revealing who we are. 
that we are men and women of faith. And so my friends, as we continue into the unknown of this pandemic, we're gonna do it head on. We're gonna battle the things that come our way and we're gonna pull together. And I promise you, you will see the miracles of God. Do you know right now the stories that are coming back from some of the small groups of, of people's growth and the way that they're reading scripture and praying together, fellowshipping in new, deeper, more intimate ways. We have never had such things when we had our church open. You know, there's a part of me sometimes that looks in the midst of all this craziness and I think, boy, am I crazy for thinking I hope the pandemic doesn't end? Because it's drawing me to my knees and closer to God. It's drawing my family closer. It's making our church community grow deeper in their relationship. Boy, it's not as bad as it seems. In fact, just like in this shipwreck, God has promised something far greater. My friends, this is not the end. This shipwreck in Malta is not the end. This COVID-19 is not the end. It's simply one of the stopping points on the journey to where God is gonna perfect us into being made in his creation, recapturing what it is to be a human and showing the true image of God in love and grace to one another and to the world. My friends, you are becoming the hope that this world needs. You become a witness of God just by simply living out your everyday. And so here we are, lights in a dark world, showing people another way, a better way, perhaps even the way in which we can know and experience the living God in truth and reality. So my friends, as we continue this journey together, my prayer is that you will hold fast to the truth that you are children of the living God, that Christ died and was resurrected, and therefore we have nothing to fear for you and I will not taste death, but when we close our eyes, we will open them anew in the kingdom of God. In this life we live right now, we don't walk alone. We have a God who walks both in and before us and behind us, who separates us from all this other stuff in the world and lifts us up as children that are so special and precious to him. Our God walks with us through all things, even in the shadow of death. So I don't know about you, but I'm feeling encouraged. I'm finding new hope, even in the midst of what seems to be a very hopeless time for our country. I'm excited about the way God is moving in people's lives, and I love seeing how people are growing. You know what? It's not over yet. This is just a small blip, one little stop on the journey as we make our way to Rome. This is our time, my friends, our time to be faithful, to step back and taste and see that God is good. I have some more information I want to give you, but first let's take communion together. And as soon as we finish with that, then I'd like to tell you a little bit of stuff that's been going on in our church and where we're headed for the future. So grab your elements as we give thanks to God and we're going to lift these up. And in the same way Christ was broken, we see that same kind of image of Paul being broken. As Christ is making his way during that last week to Jerusalem, Paul's journey doesn't simply go to Jerusalem, but it continues on. Just as Christ was lifted up before some of the key leaders of the time that cast judgment and doubt on who he was and sentenced him to death, so Paul will eventually find himself before these leaders and sentenced to uh, incarceration in Rome, eventually death. 
But the one thing that we hold in common more than those is the idea of the resurrection, that just as Christ was resurrected, so was Paul. And I'm sure that when Paul got to heaven, Jesus wrapped his arms around him, just like he'll wrap his arms around you and I, saying, welcome home, my dear son, my dear daughter. I've been waiting for you. Take your cracker, your, your piece of bread, whatever it is you've brought to this moment, let's break it. Giving thanks to God, let's eat it, remembering that Christ's body was broken for you and for me. Take the cup, in my case it's water, whatever it is that you have brought. And we recognize that the blood that was poured out, that ultimate sacrifice, that action of, of pure selflessness where Christ emptied himself to take on flesh, then to go to the cross and die for you and I so that we could be resurrected with him and live a life anew in the kingdom. We, we drink this in remembrance of that, that we drink in the new kingdom. Well, I told you I had some news for you and I want to share it with you. First of all, I wanted to let you know that Pastor Bob Cassidy and his wife Sharon have been called to do ministry at another location. And so, although we go with sad hearts, uh, I had a wonderful time praying with him and thanking him for the last five years of ministry here at Church in the Mall. But certainly we want to give them our best and send them forth in the spirit of Christ, knowing that they will continue the ministry that they began of sharing the gospel of hope with others. But I wanted to let you know that you won't be seeing him around very much because he will in fact be serving uh, another community right now. And we are very grateful for his obedience and trust in where God leads him next. The second thing is we are gonna continue in these home groups um, for the next month or so. We are still working with um, our governor and some of the other facilities that need to happen here at Church in the Mall so that we can be ready to fully welcome you back to uh, worship here. In the meantime though, the stories I'm hearing about our small groups are, are really quite phenomenal. Uh, some have even sent me pictures uh, of them sitting around together and, and sharing stories of hope and how people are growing together. You know, if you don't have a small group, uh, please email me. Uh, I would love to be able to help you find one. Um, you can get us at churchinthemall.com. You can look for the email link at the bottom of this message and you'll be able to uh, contact us. So we'll be back with you uh, as quickly as possible. But where we're going next is the book of Ephesians. And what I love about this particular book is Paul meets these people in Ephesus. So here it is on the map, Ephesus. We talked about this a few weeks ago because you can actually find the story in Acts chapter 19. It's this remarkable city in which Paul is experiencing the power of God in a way he has never experienced it before. It has nothing to do with him his skill, his ability, his life journey. Certainly God uses and honors those things, but it's not up to those things. It's actually the spirit of God moving through Paul that begins a work in Ephesus that changes all of Asia. And so what I'd like you to do is join me as we continue in our small group studies, looking at this amazing power of God and how to unleash it in our own lives. It's really broken into two chapters. If you were to look at Ephesus, or I mean the book of Ephesians, you would have the first three chapters all about what it is for us as we belong and become in Christ. It's really going back to who we were designed to be as human beings and what it means now that Christ has died for us. 
this is the foundation of our faith and our identity and who we are. And this is the, the basis from which we form all our understanding and theology. It's the basis of how we move forward in this world. And so we'll spend the first three chapters looking specifically at that, what it means to belong in Christ. Now, the next three chapters, it's only six total, but the next three is about how we then live that out in Christ. I don't know about you, but I find it very difficult sometimes to live out my faith. I'm always wrestling with my flesh and what it is to do the right thing in all situations. Well, this is a great opportunity for us to dig deeper and say, okay, as a result of understanding the character and nature of God, as a result of inviting Christ into my life, I now become transformed and I become more and more like Christ as he perfects me in love and grace and respect. And so that as I grow in that, I can't help but have parts of my life, things that I used to do, begin to fall off and fade away. Because quite frankly, I just don't need them anymore. You know, being a Christian has nothing to do with following the rules. It has everything to do with following Christ. And as we relationship with him, it's amazing how all those things, the woundedness of life begins to get healed and those things fall off of us. We just don't need them anymore. And so chapters uh, four, five, and six are going to concentrate on what it is to live out our Christian faith in this world, particularly as it pertains to relationships. So my hope is that you'll join us. I can't wait to see what God does next in our community. So will you continually support Church in the Mall with your prayers, with being present with us online, watching the videos, and joining a small group? For those of you that have called this church your home, we still are in drastic need of financial giving as we are continuing the ministries of this church, even though this space isn't open. Our lease will continue into the new year. In fact, it is up for renewal in February. And I want to give you a heads up as our team is looking at the options of will that still make sense in the coming year? Or do we want to continue ministry in the mall? Is that what God is calling us to do? You know, I don't want to scare you with that, but I want to invite you into praying for us as we are trying to discern what are the best options for Church in the Mall as it continues its ministry here in Heath, Ohio. There are so many neat things that God is doing and so many lives are being changed. I get to see God moving, and I hope you do too, as we continually work together for the greater good of this world by introducing Christ to the hearts and the minds of the people. My friends, thank you for supporting us. Thanks for being a part of this church, and I look forward to what God is going to do with us next. Go in his peace, his presence, and may you always, always know that you are beloved children of God.